You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Okay, so you know how some weeks we both see the same movie? Yes. On those weeks, I always exit the theater thinking, I wonder what Taylor thought of this. Like I try to like think <laughs> and I try to guess what your thoughts and ratings were of the movie. So I've I've placed a guess for both of these films. Do you want to save it for the reviews or do you want to I'm wanna... gonna save it for the reviews because okay. I'm gonna reveal it after I find out. Okay, whether you were yeah, right or whether not. Whether I was right or not. Because I, I have guesses. Okay. Um this is a very busy episode. Yeah. Because we've got we both saw the same movies and we saw two movies. So mm-hmm. we've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the new Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, we will be doing non spoiler discussion on that. I'll try my best. It's hard though. It's very tough. But but we have a special podcast dedicated to spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll keep our try to keep Save spoilers to nothing. And then uh, we saw a documentary called Maiden, which has actually been pre- – I think I've seen four previews for that movie every time I was at the screening room. They that was the trailer. They were promoting it <laughs> yeah. pretty heavily. So so finally, the much-anticipated documentary Maiden um, we both saw as well. We also have a lot of fan questions. Well, there's not a lot of fan questions. They're just long fan questions because everyone likes to now write a lot. You know um, what? We are a platform for people to express of course. themselves. And live journal doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so. <laughs> and we we appreciate the fans, so that's why we always start with you, and that's why we're okay dedicating half an hour to you if it ends up happening. If need be, we will. <laughs> it's go. happened three times. Half our show has been fan questions. Hey, it's my favorite section, so it's a lot of people's favorite section. Yeah. So so we're gonna kick off with that. We start with B Olive, I think. That's just how the name read on it's the Instagram sick message. If that's there. B Olive. Um, <laughs> Hi, uh, you both don't seem to like movies anymore. Have you both found that reviewing films have hired your standards? Uh, we just want you to be happy, Taylor. <laughs> so, Taylor, the fans just want you to be happy. I TA'd an introductory, like a year-long introductory film course, so teaching first years how to critically engage mm-hmm. with media. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the students coming up to me and being like, Taylor, do you hate movies now that you know how to critically engage with them? <laughs> I'm like, no, I enjoy film more. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's not my fault that the movies so far have not been good this yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> this year, yeah. And this I, year. Yeah, like 2019 has not been off to a great start, and I know a lot of our reviews are super negative. Um, but I think that... The reason why is because I think we are – you do have to know within film that a lot of movies that, that studios aren't that sure on, they just dump into the early part of the year. Yeah. So only since March have we even been getting movies that they're like, okay, these are blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And then in the fall, it it's all the, the Oscar movies, and it is some of the better movies. So I think that's why people are noticing we were a lot more – Critical. Yeah. But like I in the fall, feel- like we had a lot more – I will say, I went back and I looked. We had a lot more movies we were saying see it to in the fall. It was like a mixed bag in the fall. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is fair. You know, I don't know the statistics, but I would say, you know, half the movies we would say go to. Yeah. Half, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, summer movies just aren't, you know, it's hit or miss. Hit or miss. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because um, a lot of movies that I was kind of looking forward to, I was kind of like, nah, yeah. don't, doesn't really matter. So, and I, you know, I will flat out, like, I'll be honest I'm not, like, a huge blockbuster fan to begin mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. so I am going to be more hypercritical of these sort of mm. summertime. Like, I look forward to once um, the films – so in the fall is – late summer, early fall is when um, films are debuted at um, movie festivals. Yeah. I, like – that those type of movies more than I would like a blockbuster. Yeah. So I think by late summer, early fall, you'll probably hear me give more positive reviews because I'll be <laughs> yes. watching movies that, in my opinion, are better crafted. Yeah. And I think, do I have a high standards? I do, but it's because I, I want to critically engage with mm-hmm. my film. Yeah. And I can watch a blockbuster, but the blockbusters these days just aren't, good <laughs> yeah like i i have to be honest i think i've maybe enjoyed my trip to the big movie theater like the multiplexes 
maybe twice this year, maybe two or three times, and that's even in cl- I'll throw I'll throw the whole 2019 in there. There's yeah. maybe been three movies where I've walked out. Well, I've enjoyed all always going, but three movies that I walked out being like, wow, that yeah, was you fun. must see yeah. those. Like I I enjoyed Avengers Endgame and I enjoyed Spider Man and then I enjoyed Glass and that was kind of it. Like the other ones, I'm kind of like, eh, like it, like yeah. they're not that great. It's been it's been not it's been a worse year I think in terms of of the blockbusters. I don't think they're as strong as they've used to be. Um, but yeah, that's I mean that's the thing that I kind of agree with you of of being able to critically engage in something makes you enjoy it more. Yeah. So it's actually the opposite is you actually really like movies and it's yeah just, I love you know, the whole what does do I not like movies anymore? I love movies. I just haven't liked yeah. the ones I've reviewed. Yeah, recently it's just been garbage. We can't yeah. do anything about that. That's yeah. just what happens. Write know? a letter to your local film studio. Exactly. Yeah, get them to make better movies and then better reviews. And I think if viewers held themselves at a higher standard, if viewers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If we demanded better film, we would get better film but unfortunately a lot of the movies like i find this a lot a lot of movies that i review or look at and go this is not very good end up making a lot of money a lot of people go to them a lot of people like them so it ends up being the opposite i mean and that can be different like i get it a lot of people just unwind with movies i do too i can turn my my critical mind off kind of but but it's always there and mm-hmm. I think I can enjoy a wide range of movies, but I, I don't know. I just I went to Late Night again, and that movie just angers me because I went with a bunch of people. Like right. I went with people so to see you Late saw Night. It twice. I saw it twice. Okay. So I saw it a second time, and I just I don't know. I I, I kind of I left it with sort of the same kind of the same sentiment before. I, I think it's as damaging, if not more, than Green Book. This type of movie, yeah. because I think it slips into this comedy realm where it's like I don't I take it very seriously. But she's tackling lit Mindy Kaling, who I'm talking about, who wrote it, is tackling literally like 12, 27 issues in this movie. And Can't none pick of them a lane, well. and none of them well, and getting it wrong, and then teaching people that this is and the it correct wasn't thing. satire. It was just comedy, and it was just incorrect, which I think is is to me damaging more damaging than well this is my perspective of the story okay it's one-sided it's awful you should have included the other side but at least you're trying to tell a truth from one side Mm -hmm. you're trying i don't think mindy kaling again i don't know but i don't think mindy kaling in writing this was was knew what to do i think she was given a movie wanted to say a million things and i don't understand to this day why she just didn't make it about one thing and then went on to make another movie she can she has a large enough platform that she can make as many movies she could release a new movie every couple of years if she wanted to about a different topic whatever she wants she can star in all of them and and people people will go go. go. so i don't understand i don't understand what what happened oh no this is the only movie i get to make yeah that's (laughs) i would get that if that was her panic i'm like but why why is mindy kaling afraid she'll never get to make a movie again that doesn't make any sense yeah but anyway Yeah. We digress. Um, Thank you for the question. Uh, Justin writes in, high screening in Kingston. I have to completely disagree with Taylor's views on Midsummer. Here we go. I knew these were coming. Also, uh, not sure how to say it either. Nicole told me that it is supposed to. Like Midsommar. Oh, okay. Like it's supposed to be Swedish. Midsommar. Or, Um, yeah, however. But I do understand some films get uh, get really hyped up and maybe that changes our perceptions. I think that even though uh, the film wasn't traditionally scary, it was unsettling, and I really enjoyed both Midsommar and Hereditary. I find that movies that slowly build tension are way scarier than jump scares. I'm more inclined to see that type of film versus one filled with jump scares. Do either of you have any other popular films that you both don't like, but everyone else seems to? Avatar. <laughs> Does anyone like Avatar though? I like, mean, isn't as a it movie? The, isn't it one of the highest grossing films? I think because it was the whole 3D thing. Like, every, like I went to Avatar in the theaters because I was like, okay, 3D. I really want to see what this is like. It's kind of using technology in a new way, using animation in a new way. But but the movie was not good. People I killed mean, themselves because they would never live in that world. What's it called? I forget. Like. You know, and that race oh, of people. Know. The Navi, I think. Yeah, the yeah. Navi. Like, pe- there was news themselves? reports of people literally oh killing themselves because they'll Lord. never be that okay, race. Okay, wow. So, like, it was a phenomenon. Okay, I didn't think people liked it that much. I remember <laughs> just making fun of the people, like, oh, this is like Pocahontas. It's like this same. Literally, it's, it's dances with it's wolves. It's Pocahontas. Literally, it's the same. Pocahontas. Um, but hey, it was imaginative, different. We don't need four sequels or whatever else is coming up. But okay, I guess I'll throw my hat into the Avatar ring. I didn't realize people even liked it. 
Yeah, I think it was very well received by the crowds. Um, so the, off the top of my head, that's the one I would think of the most. Um, oh, um, what was the one that came out last year uh, with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick? A Simple Favor? Yeah. A lot of people you like, hate, and I hate, oh, it. I hate A Simple I Favor. Oh, I hate it. I, it's one of the only movies, now I would never say this, and I don't 100% agree with this, but you know when you're like angry about something, you just like think things. One of my thoughts was you get stupider by watching this movie. <laughs> um, and I don't actually think that. That's not true. And I know that the people, people who are extremely intelligent will go to that movie and, and, enjoy, and, it. and enjoy it. Absolutely don't even I don't even think that for a second but you get that like pit in your anger of like oh I just want to think that who could, like, who could this? like this garbage yeah I would say a simple favor is one where I'm like not in in the majority mm-hmm. whatsoever I'm 100% the minority of of that film and even late night because everybody seems to love it like those but I don't hate it as much as green a simple book. favor green book yeah <laughs> that's one where I'm like middle ground on it and everyone loves it which I don't get I don't I get the love was, for it I think it was I gave Green Book a hard time because I think as, like, for what it wants to do, it mm-hmm. was detrimental. Yeah. But, like, as a kind of, like, a buddy comedy, it's like fine. It's, fine. it's yeah. middle of the road, yeah. you know. I think A Simple Favor is the only movie that I've... It makes you angry. Yeah, it makes me, like, actually rage out thinking about people enjoying that that piece of garbage. Um, I don't know. I just... There's just something about that movie... Where I'm just thinking, what like what what do you do on a day to day basis if you like this movie? Like what like what's your life like? What are your life choices yeah, that led yeah. you to having this? Uh... I, I I mean I'm actually being serious. I want to start like a group of people to like. Do you just need someone to hang out with? Like if you do you watch a simple favor because like you need someone to hang out with and you're just alone and you're lonely and you don't have friends and maybe you don't have romance and because you need this because it's like a sexually charged movie and there's like intrigue and there's friendship. <laughs> like whatever. Like go to a movie, have friends, join Tinder. I don't know. Do literally anything else. Like this is – I just thought it was a piece of garbage, hot trash. So I'm going to go with that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there's my <laughs> rant back to a simple favor. I don't even know. Was that the question? Yeah, we answered your question. In my Thank mind, you, I didn't see a simple flavor favor but from the descriptions i read and the people who i get a sense liked it i feel like they're the type of people who like the shonda rhymes shows i think that's her name um she produces like um the perfect or to get away with murder oh oh how to get away with how to get away with murder Grace yeah, Anatomy. sure. And like I could that see that. Of, I could see that. Yeah. That's just that's just my gut. Where it's like romance is the heart of it, but then it's sort of an adventure mystery intrigue around it. Yeah. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's I nothing wrong with it at all. Don't understand how people can like Grey's Anatomy, but it is one of the most popular television shows and has yeah, like I don't get it either. fourteen seasons, but no hey, end in sight. Honestly, who am I to judge? I sit down and watch Fuller House. Yeah, so, so that's like, like we you know, all have our things. We don't like Avatar and a simple favor, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and yeah, thank you, Justin, for the question. Thank, and thank you for sending in your feedback. We wanted to hear from anyone who liked Midsommar. Yeah, I'm sorry that um, I didn't comment on it, only because I know people are going to like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong. Like, we're not going to say, you're wrong, Justin. Like, that's great. You should have that opinion. And if like, you were into it, great. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills for not liking that's it. That's fine. But, like, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So but, like, but hey, at least Justin sent in a question with it, right? Like, it wasn't just attacking you, like, which we didn't, didn't get. I didn't feel like it was a slow burn. Like, I knew right away. Like, to me, The Witch, slow burn, atmospheric, no jump scares. Yeah. Beautiful crafted movie. Yeah. Beautiful cinematography. To be fair, Midsummer did have some beautiful... Like technical, there were elements to it that you could appreciate. Yeah, yeah. but I thought whatever. Anyways, most of our questions are about Midsummer, so oh, let's okay. get going here. Moving on. Um, so Samantha says, "High screen in Kingston." I have to agree with Taylor yes. <laughs> that I wasn't a Air fan five. of Midsummer. So Samantha agrees with you. Now I went in. Now I went into it understanding that after Hereditary, this wouldn't be the same. Seeing as spoiler alert, and you should have seen Hereditary if you care. Um, you know right away from Midsummer that there's a cult involved. Yeah. I guess that's from the trailers. In his, it, even in like the promotional, like he yeah, said, like yeah. this is gonna be a cult movie. Um, at least it sure seemed that we all knew, right? <laughs> um, Taylor, have you ever seen the Porkeepsie tape? Yes, Porkeepsie tape. It's a place. Now that's a real scary movie. Like upstate New York. Okay. Um, she says it's got a wild range of emotions, so real and so scary. I have not seen that movie. It is very scary. It's a found footage tape movie. Um, from the mid 2000s. Is this like a documentary? Is it like a 
it's a no film. it's it's a it's a film i think it's a like a it's filmed like it is a documentary oh, okay. um based like on like found yeah like it's yeah, in the yeah. vein of blair witch but it's a, it's a um okay. and yeah i highly recommend that movie for horror fans poughkeepsie yeah, it's Poughkeepsie in, tapes. It's a place. Is that it? Poughkeepsie? Either in like upstate New York or like Pennsylvania. I'm sure any. I'm sure people can look it up, but it's it's. Why don't you? It's it's P O U G H K E E P S I E E. <laughs> Sorry, I and missed the. End. <laughs> I know that kind of found footage movies feel like they're a little bit overdone. Mm-hmm. This one is good and done well, and it has like a pretty like it's creepy so is it because it's so she's saying that it's it's a lot of emotions because it's so real so scary but has does it have that slow burn midsummer feeling to it is there a comparison here or is this just a it's a it's a really good horror movie if you're looking for one that maybe people haven't heard of it's hard to say i haven't seen it in a long time so i can't remember sort of the like the plot build um i just know that it has like a pretty like it's pretty like horrifying it's good for people who like true crime um stuff like that it's about an abduction so it's very different like i wouldn't it's kind of confusing why she brought this film up because to me they're in two totally different but it may be like skip midsummer and go see a good movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i mean i think that might i haven't be what she's heard of doing. it and if it was in like the mid 2000s maybe a lot of people haven't seen it so it's a good suggestion of like here's kind of a film out of nowhere that people are i think looking it's for. kind of um not underground but it kind of like went yeah. under the radar but people who are a big fan of that genre yeah. have it's like a touchstone maybe cool. but i agree with samantha it's a good one Okay, well, thanks for the suggestion, Samantha, and everyone else can look it up if they want to uh, check it out. So Tyler has written a novel, our (laughs) Star Trek correspondent. Uh, Hello, Taylor and Mike. So after listening to the show on Tuesday, I sat myself down in front of my computer and prepared to write what would likely have been a tomb of of an email defending Hereditary, the length of which would have sent Mike uh, into... Oh, conniptions. Oh, yes. Well, then he wrote... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, indeed, Taylor, see it, but, but know that I hated it rating of Midsommar and dismissal of Hereditary as a movie that only, quote, stupid people could figure out in the first five minutes had me a little peeved, even though it was hilarious. <laughs> However, I decided to leave that to the others. How did he know people were going to write in? <laughs> because it's a contentious issue. He was right. He was right. Um, and instead takes Taylor's advice and go watch a movie that's been on my list forever, Rosemary's Baby great suggestion while i don't subscribe to the idea that the quality of rosemary's baby in any way in invalidates or deviate or sorry devalues hereditary i found the former to be an amazing example of slow burn paranoia including including horror mia farrow was terrific as oh she's amazing in that movie in the lead role she's charming and intelligent easily earning our affections uh, so that as stuff starts going awry Uh, We can't help but care deeply. Indeed, the emotional investment of the movie rests on her uh, ashen cheekbones. Um, I was also a big fan of the editing style. Long, slow takes with crisp, jarring edits between scenes. My kind of stuff. So thank you, Taylor, for the great recommendation. I like the idea that if you hate the movie you saw that week, you folks should give us an alternative that tackles the subject matter, quote-unquote, better. Uh, That way we always have something to go see each week. Sincerely, Tyler, can't stop, won't stop, Vance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did offer a suggestion in lieu of Midsummer. It was the original Wicker Man. Yep. Um, So, again, I feel like, I just feel like Ari Asher just rips off, like, it's, he's tackling subject matter that has been done better originally. Yeah, and at least, I I mean, I like what Tyler's saying here. I like the idea of if we are going to say we don't like something and that the subject matter was poorly handled or that things were done, here's a suggestion of it being done Mm -hmm. better. I I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, That is something that um, I think we could start doing and we could start thinking about. Um, But I'm glad Tyler was, took a suggestion from last week and jumped in Rosemary's Baby, which is a great movie. I'm glad you liked it. I think Um, it's... Um, it's one I think everyone should see, frankly. I know it's a, Ro- a Roman Polanski film. It is but... a Roman Polanski film. <laughs> I've, I've said a lot about Polanski in the past, and we'll... 
he's my problematic fave. I yeah. have no problem recommending his. I stuff. mean, <laughs> it's you know whatever. We we had this discussion in length. He is a phenomenal <laughs> filmmaker. Yeah, um, you know, to each his own. If people can separate things, they can separate things. Uh, but thank you, Tyler, for that novel. Um, that's our Star Trek correspondent, Tyler. Uh, always writes in a lot of things. He's moving at the end of the summer, so we'll get in. All the Tyler Uh-oh. time as we like can. out of Kingston. Out of Kingston, uh, he told me that when he was here to talk about Picard stuff. But we'll get him on the show before then, and he, he can always call in for Star oh, Trek yeah, news. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not as though, unless he's decided once he leaves Kingston, he's cutting all tides and doesn't want to listen to no us one. anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> we seem to always <laughs> battle Tyler on most things. So <laughs> maybe he's just done with us. I don't know. Uh, but thank you again, Tyler, for for the for the question and and for uh, the suggestion about uh, those movies. I think mm-hmm. that's a good idea. We'll definitely think about that, bringing, bringing those suggestions in. We're glad you liked Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Renee has our last question. Hi, Taylor and Mike. Well, I have to disagree with Taylor. I really enjoyed Midsummer for the effed up experience it was. I felt like the movie was able to take you on a ride, um, and I found the sequences when characters were high to throw me off as an audience member, which made the horrors worse. Those are my two cents. I like that Taylor said... Uh, don't hate me, so I know that I don't. <laughs> but hopefully that review doesn't get her into too much trouble. No, she's never in too much trouble. Um, do either of you have any other horror films you're looking forward to this year? We both are looking forward to it. Yeah, it chapter two, absolutely. I saw a trailer for uh, where it's the new Del Toro movie, Scary Things in the Dark. Oh yes, that looks quite good. Um, um, scary stories and the stories yeah. you tell each other in the dark or something i had that book growing up and i it it's more or less a, a children's book but of horror stories as mm. far if i'm if, if i'm remembering remembering correctly and the trailer is by no means a children's movie it looks really scary so i'm looking forward to that one i think that um for me those are the only two that i've seen any previous for that make me kind of really interested i wouldn't say i'm a horror fan in the sense that i look for every single horror movie Mm -hmm. but it chapter two for sure um i anything in the conjuring universe usually is something i would go to um i'm really excited to see what they do with the there's going to be a second a quiet place movie but i Mm -hmm. don't think that's till next year um so that type of thing yeah that type of thing and and you know i'm i am interested to see what i'm like Shyamalan does next actually i'm very intrigued because i like his style of it's scaring me and in more eeriness, but there's still a really interesting the story atmosphere. there. Yeah, and like the visit was quite good. Oh, that, don't even him. don't bring it up again. I'm gonna uh, <laughs> have nightmares. So so that that type of movie, but yeah, it chapter two. I'm really pumped about. Hands like down. I'm I'm getting really excited for that movie. Um, but yeah, now that the um the scary stories one has a trailer out, that one's it definitely yeah exciting me as well. I'm also looking forward to the director of The Witch, which I just spoke about, the movie The Witch. His follow-up movie is coming out in the fall. I think it mm. might be debuting at TIFF. Oh, okay. Um, it's starring um, Robert Pattison and William Defoe, I think. Oh, and it's called The Lighthouse. Okay, okay. I, don't, yeah, I think I've heard of this. And it's black and white. I don't know if it's going to be like a straight traditional horror movie um yeah i don't even to be honest i don't even know if it's horror at all it might just be suspense drama but um i'm really looking forward to that because i really really loved the witch so there's some fantastic movies coming to tiff yeah nicole messaged you about it right? yes yeah on instagram <laughs> yeah your friend nicole sent a message and she goes and, to tiff every year yeah and i that's tiff's been on my mind for the past month thinking mm-hmm. like is there any way we can get down there and do some TIFF <laughs> stuff? Like that's been the thing I've been trying to work on. So we'll see. I think it would be we really cool. get some cool. sponsors? Yeah. Like if we get some sponsors, you know, that I'll would be. I'll take time off work. That would be great. Yeah. I would too to go to TIFF to, to just, you know, see some movies and review them and talk about them. We'd have to figure some stuff out. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but thank you again to everyone for your questions. We really do enjoy your fan questions. Um, if anyone wants to contribute, you can just email us at screeningandkingston at gmail.com. Remember, email by 5 o'clock on the Monday to get on the, the week's show. Uh, otherwise, you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all over the place, Screening in Kingston. Always happy to hear from you. Um, okay, we're going to talk about some movies that we saw. Yeah. Um, I think we should just like like a band-aid um and the last 20 minutes of the film we should just get this thing over with and talk about once upon a time in hollywood um (laughs) 
with with it is this is a hard movie to not spoil, but I think we should try because we are doing. We've got a podcast coming out in a couple yeah. days that will address spoilers and get in more details. So let's just give our our thoughts on the film and and try to discuss it best we can. So what did you think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I need to do a disclaimer, and I think our viewers will know this about me. I don't like Tarantino. Right. I think he's a mediocre filmmaker that has been given a platform he doesn't necessarily deserve. Mm -hmm. I think he's a fantastic writer. Yeah. Should not be allowed to direct. So I should just say (laughs) that off the bat. True Romance, one of my absolute favorite movies, he wrote, did not direct. Right. Um, So anyways, and I don't have a problem with violence. I don't have a problem with gore. I just don't think Tarantino should be Mm. behind a Mm -hmm. camera. That being said, (laughs) I did not like this movie. I did not think you would. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I think what I did like about the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, they do a phenomenal phenomenal, actors. They are phenomenal. Leonardo DiCaprio gives a performance that is so nuanced, so... (laughs) The thing about the two of them, and this is coming from a pure acting standpoint, mm-hmm. as performers, you cannot take your eyes off them when they're acting. They're like, amazing. Like they command, like it's not a stage, but they command the screen mm-hmm. when they're on it. And and just by being subtle but real, like it's not even like either, like Brad and Leonardo DiCaprio have more to do in this film yeah. in terms of highs and lows and things to do. But Brad Pitt was relatively like, not extremely expressive, yet it worked completely. Oh, yeah. For, like, for the character, so for everything believable. he was doing. Yeah, everything. Um, So their their performance is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, poor Margot Robbie oh in God, the hands of Tarantino. She I have so many things to say about that. Get such a disservice to her acting skills. Like, the role she was given in the pre-show, there's an interview with her in... Quinn Tarantino mm. and you can just tell her body language the way she's doing a half smile yeah she's just fed up with his yeah and like she's such a strong actor kind of on her own outside of needing like some people need big directors to elevate them and as soon as they get an opportunity like oh I get to work with mm-hmm. this big name director I need that for my career she's not one of those people like she she's got her strong career going so in my mind she's one of the best working actresses right yeah. now yeah. um and you would not have known that from this film yeah. and I think it's purely Tarantino and his treatment of women yeah, yeah. to be honest for sure um <laughs> Yeah, so the it and for him to say in in um uh you know in promotional stuff saying oh Shannon Tate is the heart of this film, complete bullshit. That's that's completely incorrect. Just in terms of of the film itself, does not. Okay, this is again we're gonna not get into spoilers but this is what I will say because the the film is framed around a certain time in Hollywood yeah and there's sort of yeah. and even in the trailers and any do any research the Manson family's around and it's kind yeah. of during that time you could have done this exact same movie and I will argue the exact same point almost the exact same ending and the exact same trajectory by taking the Manson family stuff and the Sharon Tate stuff out of the movie. Oh, 100%. And it would have still been pretty much the same What thing. makes me so angry is Tarantino's treatment of history. Yeah. And how... He likes to rewrite it. And, but this is a real person that had a traumatic, like, horrific violence, mm-hmm. a horrific death, and his treatment of it seems so, like, so out of touch. Like, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I made that exact... It's inappropriate yeah, how yeah. he... How he... And it's, it's one thing where, you know, because he's all about revenge fantasies yeah, yeah and it's one thing when you take okay jewish soldiers are gonna scalp a bunch of nazis or a yeah. slave you know see i think that's different as well because inglorious bastards was not centered around one specific event that we all knew happened yeah a real person uh... it, it was it was a made-up person a made-up theater 
in a community that had nothing to do with anything and the only thing real was Hitler. But yeah. it wasn't like, oh, Hitler's going to this thing we all knew he went to mm-hmm. and could have been assassinated, but it didn't happen. So now this is what that's about. That's what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is. Here's an event we all know happened. Even if you don't know anything, you have a vague sense of it. Yeah. And you probably did your research before like a lot of people did. And you're completely just, again, you're just doing something with it that didn't work. And it didn't, I don't get the point of And that I think it in was inappropriate. Way. Yeah, it didn't Like, work. it was a really yeah. inappropriate choice to make. Yeah. Um, and that I loved all the stuff about Leonardo, like, Leonardo's character and Brad Pitt's character. Yeah, absolutely. I loved, if that absolutely. was the movie, I completely agree with you. Yeah. If that, if you took out the Manson yeah. bullshit... That would have been a very good movie, and I would have I would have enjoyed it. And you could have replaced again. I'm gonna just be very vague. Sorry, people, but hopefully you've seen this movie. I if you even replaced the ending with with some sort like you could have hinted throughout the whole movie that that Leonardo DiCaprio's character still lives on the same drive, and oh, it's eerie, and he lives there, and oh, whatever, and that's like the little t- nod of the hat. But if it was random people who showed up to the thing at the end, and that sequence still happened, you still would have had the nice moment between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio to have their characters happen. You still could have had whatever you wanted Tarantino violence-wise happen, but it didn't have to connect in that way, and it didn't make any sense it, why it did. Yeah, I... Like, it didn't, to me, and this is not against Margot Robbie, but Sharon Tate added nothing to this movie and, at, at all. And in any it's way. because Tarant- Tarantino did such a crappy job in writing her yeah. part and directing yeah. Margot Robbie. All the scenes that, that she was in, because she did have, like, the, the, they, like, follow her in this movie a few times, but it nothing ever happened and she didn't do anything and I don't really get it. Like, why do we need to see her go see a movie? Like, I don't see what that has to do with anything. It just slowed the movie down. Because we're supposed to identify with her, but the ending, yeah, but that, that, it doesn't yeah, even matter. Work. Like, yeah, the way the movie ends, work, yeah. it doesn't even matter that we identified with her as a character. It was kind of yeah. like he was doing a psych out. Yes. Like, yeah, oh, that's the idea. Yeah. Like, you thought the movie was about this. Psych. And it I was, was about this. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who made a point that, like, having the Manson thing there adds a sense of eeriness and unsettledness to the movie however that has nothing to do with the film that that that's like saying that's like the that's laziness that's saying okay well i'm gonna set it during i'm gonna set a movie between two people during the the time that the titanic sunk but you're never gonna see anything about the titanic it's just gonna be there yeah well then that's just you're being lazy because you're setting us up to it to a thing and and using that for tension as opposed to building tension in the movie i only felt tense in the entire movie once and that's about the middle of the way through when Brad Pitt went to visit the ranch because like that was a little unsettling yeah with the the cabin that yeah. Was, yeah yeah and like that was like okay this character I'm worried for their safety yeah that was the only time in the whole movie other otherwise they weren't a presence at all they weren't even it was it was nothing I'm just like I'm just really di- I mean I shouldn't even say disappointed because I know better with Tarantino like mm-hmm. I should have like I shouldn't have expected a wonderful treatment mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Like yeah, a, yeah. I should have only, the only thing I should have expected was disgust yeah. from him. Yeah. Um, but I am still disappointed. It's a time period that I'm fascinated with. Yeah. Um, I love that it was supposed to be a movie about movies, which yeah. is every Tarantino movie. Don't yes. try to tell me differently. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really cool how he, you know, you watched the TV shows or the movies within the movie, within yeah. the movie yeah. that, that stuff was cool. Yeah. But oh my gosh, the ending, the last half an hour yeah. of the movie, yeah. complete garbage. And I think like for me, like uh, a couple positive things just like you're kind of pointing out that I really liked about the movie is really the, the first two hours and 15 minutes, right? It was the last half hour that that didn't work. So so for me, I was entertained for two hours in this movie I was entertained I was interested I was laughing there's a scene that Leonardo DiCaprio has that they've got a part of it in the trailer where he's freaking where he's freaking out Mm -hmm. because he screwed up a line and he's in his trailer looking himself in the mirror and yelling at himself that was one of that's a well done scene by a fantastic actor really well written but again doesn't really have to do anything with the director as much as I think Leonardo DiCaprio is so good and the writing was good and he's so far in his career now that like he I'm can sure make he just those. Did that. Yeah. yeah, you can make those choices. So and... for me, like I was middle ground on the movie, even coming out of it. Like the end didn't work for me, and that kind of like ruined the film for me. But I was still entertained for over two hours in there. So I was still kind yeah. of like, it's an entertaining movie. The story is really good, and it's this element of it that I didn't like. But if you take it out, 
the rest of the movie, I still could have made the same points that he was making. So to me, he made a big mistake in two areas. One, in the original writing of it and deciding what to do with it and where to set it. And second, how tonally he addressed the whole end as a director. If he had just done something else with it or hinted at things but left us with an air of mystery, like maybe the incident that we know actually happened in real life happens later, but this is how he meets Sharon Tate or something. I don't know. But I think that they they were showing us a really interesting friendship between two people at a time in Hollywood that I liked in a world that was created in a cool way that I enjoyed, but then it just fell apart in the last act. And again, that goes to show Tarantino is a wonderful world builder. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and I won't discredit him for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, his attention to detail. Yep. Is yep. very hard. Yeah, you to can't beat. you can't deny that this movie has strong craft to it, and there's yeah. there's definitely some interesting set pieces, especially building Hollywood and mm-hmm. the everything of '69, where yeah. most of it the movie set. So like that was it was cool. It was uh, interesting to see, and I like the world, and I think I agree with you on that. That world was kind of cool. Yeah, but it also is a world of white males. Yeah, that's like yep. I don't even want to get. We don't have time to yeah, get into no, it, but like no. his. I read one interesting point. Or one interesting article said, you know, maybe the the end point, maybe the overall theme is, you know, we think of 1969 as an age of innocence. Or 1969 was the year that America's mm. in- innocence was lost. Right. And it was with this horrific crime. So right, that's, right. And the way Tarantino is crafting a movie, he says, well, what if that age of innocence wasn't lost? Mm-hmm. But it's like, innocence for who? Yeah. White males. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's just really disappointing. And, but again, I should expect no less this late in Tarantino's career, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, you think, oh, it's the Me Too movement. Like, even though Tarantino was funded by the wine, the Weinstein. Weinstein company, yeah. So, like, why should I have expected that just because of Me Too, he's going to radically change his Yeah, well, I mean, because he was one of the people who, like, wasn't really directly accused of anything, but was one of the people that people were like, you know, you he, should change. His whole career, because in the 90s and mm-hmm. 2000s, he was funded by... Yeah. A lot of people were, though. But, you know... You know, a lot of people were funded by the Weinstein he's Company. He's very intimately connected to them in ways For sure. that I think... But, it, but other... like, let's remember, it was Harvey Weinstein who did stuff, not the company. That's true. Like, there are lots of people That's involved true. in that company who lost their job because their boss was a creep. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know. There's, like, hundreds of people who I are just, now out of a job because I feel of like maybe Tarantino wasn't reevaluated. No, and I'm sure he wasn't, and he probably should have I'm been. not saying that he ever sexually assaulted someone no. i just think he but his benefited mindset though. from and he benefited from a regime mm-hmm. you know and he didn't maybe have to take like weird things like the scenes where he like women are strangled in the films mm-hmm. he did the strangling and like i don't i think the biggest point here is that he he you have to re- – the Me Too movement, the whole point of it was everyone to reassess and relook at things, which I don't think Tarantino did any, like, self-reflection as a filmmaker. And I don't think filmmaker. anyone has asked him no, to. No, no, I don't think so. You know what I mean? So, no. so that's why I kind of, you know, I don't think his filmmaking style and his treatment of female subjects have changed much. Well, and, and I mean, there's pr- proof is in this movie because, like, the only female character that really had any – sort of, I guess, heart to it, had nothing to do, had nothing to do with the movie and was pretty much an under underutilized role, yeah. right? Like, they, they, there was nothing for her to do. Yeah, so anyways, that's my two cents. Yeah. I mean, it's hard It's hard for me when the the way we review movies is go see it, skip it. See it, this stream is it, skip a, it. Yeah, this is a really hard one for me because I know, like, again, the zeitgeist, like, anytime Tarantino releases a film, people go see it so they can be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in, and you're right, the first two hours, mm-hmm. the first two hours are a see it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with that for sure. And the last hour, a half hour skip it. is a skip it. <laughs> if you can pause it. That's why, that's why I came up with the rating system. To me, this is a stream it. This yeah. is the exact example of what a stream it is. You want to be part of the conversation? Great. Wait for two months. It's going to go to your Netflix. You won't be directly giving money to anybody and you can just watch it 
yeah. or you can watch it online in another platform because it's going to go there eventually. Um, don't rush out to see the movie now. The conversation's not going anywhere. That's the whole point. The whole point of all of these things, and now that we're, now that we're in 2019, is the conversation should never disappear. Yeah. The idea of an ending should not happen. We always continue the conversations. So wait a couple months and go watch. Sure, I'm giving it a stream. It watch it in a couple months. Don't run out to the theater now. You don't need to. There's no necessity to see this right away. Wait for a couple months and stream it. Then pause it at the end and just forget Walk about away. it. Walk away. <laughs> watch the first. When it gets to two hours and fifteen minutes, go. Okay, when, I'm done. When the narration, when the voiceover narration kicks in. Yes, that's when you end the movie. Yes, that's a great spot. <laughs> when the narration voiceover kicks in at the end of the movie, you're done. You know you're watching a different movie. Yeah, you're time. watching. And and frankly, you're like, okay, that's good enough. You you can see at least a path for characters, and it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's a stream it for me. I'll say stream it too. There you go. We got two stream it's. For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, if you want to hear more about this, um, we've got a uh, spoiler podcast where Andrew and I talk about the ending. Um, and we also rank Tarantino films of the ones that we do like and the ones we don't. I've looked at them and, and I like honestly only like four of them. That's when I look, when I looked at ranking them, I'm like, I like four of these. And then the rest are kind of in the in the bottom that didn't work. But um, yeah, we talk about more Tarantino stuff and that will come out on Thursday. So we both also saw Maiden. Yeah. Uh, which is a documentary, a uh, bit of a different tone to it because yeah, it I mean kind it's kind of a 360, I guess. But also an event that I was pretty like aware of, or at least knew the sense of what the story was going into it. I knew there was a around the world race. Yes, but that was about what that I was. Knew. Oh, you didn't know about the all female team? And the... No, I never okay. heard of that. Well, you're more into sports. Yeah, and you for know, sure. Like sports history and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. What I knew essentially was. From the trailer and okay. then beforehand, I just researched the race so that I yeah. could kind of be familiar with the subject matter. So, but so what were your overall thoughts of the movie? I thought it was a very good documentary. I thought it was very watchable. Um, I was kind of on the edge of my seat because it's kind of a will they or won't they. Yeah. On the yeah. way it's set up. Like, yeah. If you don't like because I didn't know about the team. I didn't know what was going to happen. So just a little background. There is every couple years. There is a sailing competition. It's a race, and they literally race around the world. Um, and so in the 80s, this woman puts together her own um, team, mm -hmm. all women, mm -hmm. because at that time, essentially, um, the sailing teams didn't want women. They didn't think they could sail. Like, And, and when they mean that, like one woman on their team, not 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 a whole team. That was not even in anyone's mindset. Yeah, I mean, they didn't want a single woman. No, yeah. On their so team. so the fact that that an all women team was put together was in a lot of people's mind ridiculous at the time. Yeah. Because not even like a lot of people wouldn't even have just one on the on their ship. So that was a really interest that was actually a really interesting yeah. part of it is is the, hearing the backlash yeah, the, and discussion around that. And they interview some of the male sailors yeah. in that year's competition. They interview the the journalists who covered the race and it's like it's very evident that they did not want the women yeah. competing. Yeah, which I thought was um, very interesting to very get those candid. interviews. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they, were, they were candid about it. So the documentary is essentially, um, it's set up in such a way you're kind of following the course of the race and you're seeing how far will the women go, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, so I thought it was very watchable, very yeah. enjoyable. My biggest issue was that I wish it sometimes pause the action to do a little bit more explaining mm. so um like when they're describing the legs of the yeah i wish they would have they showed i think a map like from that time period where i wish that they would have taken like paused the movie yeah and done like a real chart you know what they I mean? don't like, really go back to the map and they don't really explain things well in that way along the way like if you're not familiar already if you haven't like okay i get all the lingo i know exactly what's yeah, going on yeah you don't know the you geography might get lost. Yeah. so i wish they would have just done a little bit more clarifying and there are sometimes key moments that again they didn't pause they just kind of um something happened and then they went to the next part and yeah. and i was kind of confused a little bit in terms of timeline so i wish they would have had maybe a timeline and been like you know, this year they got the money. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so I could have, I think the film would have benefited a little bit more for background ex explanation and also just sort of like charts. 
and like charts, yeah, not like, more charts, yeah, like more maps, <laughs> and maybe a little less because I will agree with you. Like I thought this was a very watchable documentary, and one of the reasons why is because I was kind of on the edge of my seat, yeah. and because it was kind of action packed. Yeah, but I felt that way a lot, and was like, okay. Like, uh, this is a lot of action. Like, take a pause and maybe re-explain what's going on and kind of get us back into kind of the documentary format. Because at times I was just like, geez, this is just like nonstop out on the water and you're tense. It was definitely made for sailors. Absolutely. At no time do they describe sea terminology. (laughs) No, no, they just assume, you know what it is. and She's the skipper. (laughs) Like, okay. Or like, or like... I knew that each team, because of my research, I knew that each team had to have, like, a medic, had to have a cook. But they don't explain that in the film. Oh, not at all. So, again, it would have been good for them to pause and maybe make, like, a chart being, like, so-and-so was the, like... But not through animations. Not through, but, like, like, or, like... (laughs) Like an actual like yeah. chart. It would like be it would it would have been nice to get a little more context. You can use eighties graphics. Yeah. Like the graphics they used for the map, there was nothing wrong with it. I just yeah. wish they would have slowed it down yeah. and there would have been more reference points. Because yeah. I don't sail, I'm not good at geography. Yeah. yeah. I would have just liked a little clarification. And I think that for me, like I was in the same way, like I yeah, I know a lot about sports, but it's not like I know anything about sailing. I know some of the terms. Yeah. So I was like probably kind of in the middle ground between someone who knows a lot and someone who knows nothing. I'm kind of in the middle. So it didn't change my enjoyment of it, but there were definitely moments where I was like, well, wait, where, where are they? What, what's happening now? Who is this person? What's their role? Like there were definitely moments where I caught myself doing that. But for the most part, this was just a sit back and enjoy the ride documentary, which was exactly what I like a documentary that has a lot of going on there there's some action to it there's some intrigue there's some actual suspense maybe because you you know you, in that point in history like i didn't remember exactly what the outcomes mm-hmm. were so like i you know maybe that adds to it but the i race definitely is like 89 yeah 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 and like it just i don't know i i think that for me it was a very watchable documentary for the ways of like it's weird you're on the edge of your seat, but I felt like you could just sit back and watch this one. Like you could just, you could just like let enjoy. it wash over yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and just enjoy it. It was like it had things to say, but it didn't shove it down your throat. Yeah, it I really agree. was just letting yeah. the subject speak for themselves, which is valuable in a documentary. I um, yeah, I definitely felt there wasn't the same agenda that you get when like I'm just trying to compare it to recent documentaries like the Michael Moore one, um, and a, a couple others that I've seen this year because of reviewing them where the filmmaker has a clear direction Mm -hmm. this was more like here are the facts here's everything we're interviewing both sides really like every like and there's candid speak coming from both sides so it's just kind of washing over you in the sense of if as if it's happening Mm -hmm. which i like better because i don't like when there's a because even though i agree with almost everything michael moore says i don't like how much he tries to tell me he's pretty heavy handed yeah where i'm like i like i get it but you're also like you can see he's twisting facts he's doing the same thing that he accuses people of doing and uh, that's where I think that type of thing is dangerous. But a documentary like this, it's like, here it is. Yeah, it was. And I kind of really liked that. I, I thought it was a, a splash of, br- like, fresh water. Splash of ocean. fresh water. Ocean. Ocean, ocean water. water. And it was just like, ah, this is nice. I was thinking of what would have made it better is if it had graphics as if you were actually following the race. You know, if you were watching the race on TV, yeah, they'd have they would have had yeah. like oh, yeah. this boat's in this position. Yeah. You know, they would again, have had some sort of graphic to show you where the boats were positioned. And I wise. think yeah. that even it, in the eighties, they would have they would that would have yeah. helped someone who wasn't pre- like I obviously was not even alive when this race happened. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was two. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. I wasn't cheering next but, to the um, television or anything. For me, almost always I say see it when it comes to a documentary because the chances of you um, getting to see a documentary on the big screen is so it's rare. It's very rare. I agree. So um, is this documentary as good as the, the Dr. Ruth documentary? No. Um, but it was still a very enjoyable watch. Yeah. Um, and because it's sailing and it's the sea, it's the ocean, it was very cool to see yeah. it on the big screen. Yeah, and it is because of those factors, it, I just think it adds to the theatricality yeah. of it and it makes the suspense better. So I would recommend seeing it in a the yeah. theater and I'm giving it a see it too because I think it made me enjoy it a lot better yeah. than if I was sitting on you know my laptop or my own television. Mm-hmm. It's seeing it on the big screen, being part of that, 
feeling like the literally waves, feeling like, the weight. Yeah. And, on the and boat. like the cameras being there and, and you're getting footage from the actual time and cameras weren't as good as they are now. So you're getting rocked. Yeah. You know, even though you're not feeling it in your seat, it's not like it's like a 5D experience or some weird movie thing, but it feels really real. Yeah. It's all, um, all of the footage is from the race. Yeah. And one of the things I read is that one of the crew members on one of the mandatory crew members on the boat is a media person. Yeah, that's fantastic. They don't do any sailing. They just record the whole trip, that's essentially. Awesome. Yeah. So that's why we have this really and invaluable... That, yeah, and that's kind of, I think, what made it such a great film experience is because there's so much footage from the actual thing. There, no one has to fill in the blanks. Yeah. And it's great not, story, you know... Great story, great, interesting people... Yeah. That yeah. were involved, like yeah. a lot of ego, but the same with any sport. Oh, yeah, oh, there's a lot you of know? ego. There's a lot of personalities in this one yeah. on both sides. To be fair, oh, both yeah. both the men and women, like there's egos all around and some real characters. Like but you're probably that's what made not it fun. gonna like these people. Yeah, but and that's you know that's to part me, of it though. It makes it that's fun. interesting. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, see it. There you go. We got two see it's for Maiden and two stream it's for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We're now going to go into. Wait, uh, you have to tell me, was your review of Maiden for me correct? Oh, yeah. I thought you would enjoy it. <laughs> Actually, one of the things I thought coming out of it was that sense of feeling like on the edge of your seat mm-hmm. was, was something where I was like, I think Taylor would appreciate that yeah. out of this type of documentary because you feel like you're there. Because mm-hmm. you're not huge into all types of sports, it's yeah. not like you're like you're used to that type of thing mm-hmm. and but i think they did it so well yeah. that it made me think like oh yeah i think taylor will a enjoy a tennis this. documentary probably yeah, would ex- not have exactly had the same. Ex- exactly like a tennis documentary <laughs> maybe not the same but this type of thing this like was the cool. race and the boat yeah, yeah absolutely okay well let's uh let's go now into not a great plan it's time for everyone's favorite segment beloved by every single listener not a great plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella. You've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. That's right, it's not a great plan where we take a look at headlines and current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. Amazon's new Lord of the Rings showrunners have never made a TV show before. Not a great plan. Yeah, so this is tough because if they've never made a TV show before and they're tackling Lord of the Rings, it makes me feel a little uh, worried. So um, (laughs) Amazon announced that J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay... Um, they're screenwriters. They've been chosen to do um, the writing. They're, they're the showrunners for the Tolkien-based show. Although they've been writing together for years, um, the duo has never written anything that's actually been produced in Hollywood, which Oof. seems absolutely crazy. I mean, they must have done something well to get the attention for this series. Their biggest claim to fame is that they... Um, They're best known for writing the script that reportedly got tossed out in favor of Simon Pegg and Doug Doug Jung's Star Trek Beyond. So that's their biggest claim to fame. They wrote a script that was passed up. Yeah, I remember this happening. I can't believe it's those two. So I just, I mean, I don't have a lot invested in this show, but I can imagine... This is going to be a prestige project yes. for Amazon. Yes. They're throwing tons of money behind it. It's going to be their Game of Thrones. Um, why would you pick? Again, they must have shown them something. They must have pitched to them or shown them something because all I heard about the like I, I didn't read the script, but all I heard about the Star Trek issue was the people, I get producers and stuff, read it and went, "This is not going to fly because it's not even remotely close to the heart of what Star Trek is." So that's why they – so Simon Pegg's a huge Trek fan. Yeah. So that's why they were like, okay, Simon Pegg, we're going to go to him. He's a Star Trek fan. He knows how to write. So it's kind of the balance that they were looking for. So I don't know. Like will they totally even get what the Lord of the Rings is? Because the movies were very good, well-received. It's just it's hard in a movie to pack everything in. So the idea of this I think is to pack more 
in. You've got longer store longer storytelling abilities over a TV series, but if they're just throwing money out of it, write a movie doesn't mean no. you can write TV, and just because you can write TV doesn't mean you can write a movie. And it's... and the people who write them would will tell you how hard that is. So I don't know. Um, stay uh-huh. tuned. It sounds like there's kind of the production may or may not been is being like plagued with a lot of problems, oh, like. They haven't <laughs> casted it yet. Yeah. You know, there yeah. seems to be a lot of delays. Of um, it's a big project. So truth and time will tell on this one, but um, doesn't sound great. Not to begin a great with. plan. <laughs> you think, uh, in my opinion, for something this big, you would pick a uh, a very seasoned showrunner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and f- maybe maybe fill you know the season's showrunner with some new people and some new faces and that type of thing. But have someone at the someone at the who has steering the some ship. sort yeah. of television experience. Oh, it's kind of like what Marvel did, where they have they've got Kevin Feige and the middle producer, but they bring in new film direct new filmmakers all the time. But they work closely with this producer who tells them the vision. That's what its showrunner is supposed to do. Why is this so hard? Okay, next uh, headline. <laughs> Obviously, Venice Film Festival's most controversial inclusion is Netflix, not a Roman Polanski film. Not a great plan. Yeah, well, the whole Netflix war continues. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> was Spielberg involved in this? Yeah, <laughs> not this time. So um, last year, Roma won Best Picture at the festival, and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs yes. got Best Screenplay. So these were two Netflix um sort of submissions they they were produced by netflix this year the streaming giant is sending steven songberg the laundromat which is starring meryl streep yep. gary oldman mm-hmm. um antonio banderas and they're also sending noah bon um, bombatches i i don't think i'm saying his name right he um his movie marriage story which is starring adam driver scarlett johansson uh, okay. and laura dern yeah so um you know those are two films um pretty big star power like yep. those are pretty big deals so the international union of cinema in a statement says that it believes netflix is now reducing the prestige of the festival to a marketing tool that cruelly highlights and promotes movies that are not within the reach of everyone um i would argue that netflix actually democratizes film yes um, gets es- to the reach of everyone especially considering that like film like high prestige film festivals um these are kind of the big ticket like these are going to be oscar contenders yeah um before a movie like roma before netflix the chances of you seeing it unless you were going to an art house cinema like somewhere like the screening room you would not have seen roma and i think i've brought this up before but just to use a sports analogy because we were talking about sports that you always knew when you were under the skin of the other team if they started to trash talk you. Mm-hmm. You always knew you've gotten to them and they're scared. Because if they're trash talking you, then they're not secure themselves in what they're doing. This is the problem with with like mainstream film industry is still going at Netflix being like – and it's because of their own, their own insecurities. They're afraid of what streaming's doing. But – in reality, I, I think it's – to me, it's still enhancing it because the theaters are all – that I go to are all packed with people. Yeah. Streaming gets movies like – exactly like you're saying. Roma gets to be seen by people who would never have gone to it because some people can only afford to go to the movies four times a year. Uh, a basic Netflix subscription once a month is sometimes cheaper than a movie ticket. Oh, uh, like a, for the most like part I it is. I paid $14 to go see um, – once upon a time in Hollywood. Time in Hollywood yeah. because so that's apparently, two, two months worth. Yeah, apparently Netflix. it's a, a better screen. I did not think that that film was any better quality than an eleven dollar ticket. Don't know why I was charged three <laughs> extra dollars for it, yeah. but okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just that this this argument that you know Netflix devalues film, it eliminates prestige. How out of touch are people? It it's because again I I real I don't want to harp on this point but I, I seem to make it a lot about other things too I think it comes from a place of insecurity yeah. it takes an insecure person to say something like that how could anything anything in the world take down film and, and make it less valuable that, that's not what it's a film's about expressing in so many different stories you people should read about the the movies that were created in like 1912 as they were trying to figure out cameras mm-hmm. it was like pretty much porn like people were using it to express themselves they like there was an abortion once and like we it's only nowadays that we adopted this weird 
sense of of well this identifies me a film is in this way and this is the way it is and i have my identity wrapped in whatever that mm-hmm. thing is and if it gets torn down there goes me but i don't know to me it's a security thing it's an insecure thing and and i don't understand i don't get it either it's confusing to me so the article also made the point of saying the bigger controversy should be that rowan polanski is having a red carpet opening. But that's opening. not the one. That's not, <laughs> no one's yeah. talking about it. You know, everyone's losing, like, losing their lunch over the fact that Netflix is allowed to come. But, but no one's Roman talking Polanski. about Polanski. Isn't um, that like society, yeah. though, to be talking about the one issue and not and the right one? And apparently the Venice Film Festival has a very good relationship with Polanski. In the 90s, he got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Let's keep in mind that the crime he was... Um, essentially tried and found guilty of happened in the 70s right and he fled to europe so this isn't roman polanski is pre me too yeah um and he still gets kind of a you know because i guess because he's so talented and he's so iconic um he gets a free pass i'll admit sometimes i too give him a free pass just because he is so iconic right he is such an amazing filmmaker right um but yeah let's maybe steer the conversation towards Roman Polanski and away from Netflix. Maybe but... people should focus on things that matter as opposed to Netflix. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would be too um, much. We we are unfortunately completely out of time. Oh. Um, and that that's it for the show. Go see some movies. 